team. Grateful for you. Merry Christmas, everybody. My name's Brian. I'm glad we get to spend uh, the next few minutes together on this Christmas Eve. Let me ask you a, a question. We have a ton of kids in the room today, and we thought us adults might be able to learn something from kids telling us the Christmas story. So show of hands, how many of you in the past or you currently have a Fisher-Price uh, Little People Nativity set? Yeah. Yeah, they're ubiquitous. They are all over. I've traveled to different countries and seen this little Fisher-Price nativity set. And so here is the Christmas story told with the help of little people. Christmas has come. It's finally here. Just one more sleep, the best day of the year. In the morning, we'll rush to the tree full of glee. And there will be joy and laughter and maybe even some treats. We will sit all together, warm by the fire, soaking up our traditions that leave us inspired. Yet, there is something special outside of the gifts and of the season. It's the story of a baby boy born for a very, very good reason. But tonight, we will listen, not just in any old way, for this story belongs to the ones who know how to play. It's the littlest people, and they'll tell it their way. <clears throat> Lights, please. So this story starts with Mary. Wait, no. It actually starts with God. He started all things and created all things. And is all-powerful and is really the author of this story. And, well, he's kind of the author of every story told. But for now, let's start with Mary. Mary was engaged to Joseph. And one night, Mary was minding her own business and probably sleeping. When a flash of light appeared out of nowhere. And standing there right in front of her was an angel. She could have screamed she was so scared. But the angel said, my name is Gabriel. Don't be afraid, I've got good news. Mary, speechless in her shock, just stared at Gabriel. Are you ready for my news, he said. Drum roll, please. You are going to have a baby. Now this news shocked Mary, even more than the fact that she had an angel standing in her house. In the middle of the night, she thought it's impossible. But Gabriel continued, He is God's son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He is the rescuer, the savior. He is God himself. Wait, wait, wait. Now if you're like me, you're thinking, so God is coming to earth as a little baby? One who cries and drools and can't even eat ice cream if he wants to? Not a chance. Well, sure enough, just as Gabriel had said, nine months later, Mary was ready to have her baby. But as she and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, they couldn't find anywhere to have a baby. So they kept on walking and walking and walking. And eventually they found a small, smelly stable full of donkeys and cows and like a palm tree, I guess. And the king of the world was born right here, a baby, just as the angel had said. As night fell and the stars came out, a little ways off, some shepherds were warming themselves by a fire. With their sheep all around them, they were just about to fall asleep when, suddenly, again an angel appeared out of nowhere. Naturally, the shepherds, just like Mary, were terrified. 
The angel said, Do not be afraid. I've come to bring you good news of great joy. God's son has been born. You can go and see him. He's sleeping in a manger. Man, this story is like one big angel party. They just keep coming out of nowhere. This time, the angels were singing and praising God. And then suddenly, they just vanished. The shepherds put out their fire and ran to where the baby was. They were moving so quickly that they forgot all about their sheep and just left them behind. But when they got to the stable, they tiptoed inside, and the child, the baby, who they had heard about, the one who had come to save the world, was sleeping. And they were filled with a thrill of hope. That is so good. I never cease to be amazed at the creativity of Mara and our creative team to think through those things. My family and I celebrate Advent each year and each evening during Advent, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, we light the Advent candles. We have one of these on our table and we read a chapter of a book together. And this year we read a book that told the story and meaning of four different popular Christmas songs that we sing. The first song in that book was the song, Oh Holy Night. And there is one line in that song that stood out to me. And I've been thinking about it over and over this last month. The line that I just can't stop thinking about is a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. The the world was weary when Jesus was born. He was born into our brokenness, into a world messy with sin, with different groups of people persecuting and oppressing other groups of people, a world filled with violence and bloodshed. The world was weary when this song was written in 1847 in France. The French Revolution was underway. The Mexican-American War here in North America was taking place. The song was written into our brokenness, into a world messy with sin. And the world is still weary today. The world is weary from loss. The world is weary from natural disasters and broken families and war. The world is weary from the effect of sin. We are weary, right? We are weary of the busyness of the season. We are weary from worrying about what other people think about us, what they're going to think about the gift that we're going to give them and that they're going to open tomorrow. We are weary from trying to live up to others' expectations for us. We are weary from the circumstances we find ourselves in or our health concerns that are weighing us down. We are weary from wondering if we're lovable. If they just knew the real me, then maybe God and others wouldn't love me. And we're weary from being afraid. Have you noticed we live in an age of fear? According to one study, 54% of people, 54% of people asked, said they're more fearful than hopeful about what's in store next year. 54%. Now, we struggle with fear, and that might be our jobs, our relationships, our kids, our finances, our health, our future, but we struggle with fear. And fear's not always bad. It alerts us to something going on, right? It, It can tell us we need to pay attention to something, but if we live in fear, if we live A life of fear, it can determine the perspective of our entire lives. It impacts our thinking, our decision-making in negative ways, not to mention the effect it can have on our physical bodies. 
We live in a fearful, anxious world. Marketers and politicians know this, right? They tell us to be afraid of everything because fear sells and fear gets votes. And living that way makes us weary. And the good news that Jesus offers is we do not need to live in fear and weariness. He offers us a way of life that leads to hope and joy. We can live non-anxious lives in an anxious world. The good news that Jesus offers is hope. And according to the dictionary, here's what hope means according to the dictionary. To want something to happen or to be true. It is to want something to happen or to be true. And using that definition, we say things like, I hope it snows on Christmas. Even though it's what, like 60 degrees out today. I hope my boyfriend pops the question soon. We hope the new recipe turns out tomorrow. I hope Illinois makes the final four this year. When we use the word hope this way, it is more like optimism and positive, wishful thinking. We all want things to happen and to be true. It's a universal human condition. So the question isn't, do you hope? The question is, what is our hope in? In another recent study, U.S. adults said their top sources of hope were the following. You can see these on the screen. The kindness people have shown, 40% of people say that's where they find their hope. Relationships, 38%. Faith, 36%. Stable finances, knowledge of scientists and experts, recreation or fun, new opportunities, their work, research they've done themselves, and 7% of people say they don't have any source of hope. We've all put our hope in so many things that have let us down. Ourselves. Family, friends, politics, science, medicine, technology, the church. All those things are like shifting sand because they all change. And ultimately, none of these sources of hope satisfy us. They're all going to disappoint us at some point. If we don't have hope or if we place our hope in the wrong things, we fall into fear and depression, and even despair, which by definition is the loss or absence of hope. The hope Jesus offers is different. The word hope in the Bible means the following, expectation, trust, and confidence. Hope is not wanting something to be true, it's knowing something is true. Hope is an expectation of what is guaranteed. It's not wishful thinking or optimism. To hope in something or someone is to have this deep confidence and trust. And this is why hope and faith are closely related. And I thought about this. If you want a good example of what true hope looks like, what confident expectation looks like, then look no further than a child's Christmas list. In fact, we asked some of our kids downstairs last week what they hoped for for Christmas. I thought some of these were great. They said, I want for Christmas is snowfall so I can play in the snow. I'm sorry. <laughs> Another said, I want a gymnastics bar for Christmas 
Somebody said, I want a cross necklace for Christmas. Another one wanted a Polly Pocket. One said, I want a Christmas Lego. I'm with you there, bro. And because we live in 2023, I just have to include some of the expensive technology that was listed. So somebody wanted a Nintendo Switch and Pokemon cards. Somebody wanted a Chromebook and good fun for Christmas with my family. Somebody wanted an iPhone and an iPad. (laughs) Somebody said, I'm hoping for a tablet. And finally... A sweet little person wrote, for Christmas, I want Jesus to bless my family and me. Listen, kids have a confident trust and an expectation that those who love them will provide for them and give them what they need and even sometimes give them what they want. There's an expectation, a confidence, and a trust in children at Christmas. But every parent lets their kids down and Christmas lists can lead to disappointment. A number of years ago, when one of our kids was little, he went through a Christmas catalog. And just a side comment here, I was thinking about this. Wouldn't our world be a better place if we still had Christmas catalogs to go through? Like Sears, Montgomery Wards, Kay's Merchandise Mart. If you're under 40, I'm sorry I lost you there for a moment. But you've got to take my word for it. The world was a better place when we had Christmas catalogs to go through. So one of our boys went through a Christmas catalog. It might have been a Lego catalog. And he circled everything he wanted. And I added it up and it was nearly (laughs) $10,000. Needless to say, he was disappointed that Christmas. Listen, friends, if you don't hear anything else, hear me say this for the next 30 seconds. I want you to know this Christmas, there is only one place we can place our hope with expectation, confidence, and trust. There is only one thing that does not change and does not disappoint, and it's placing our hope in Jesus. The thrill of hope that allows a weary world to rejoice is the birth of Jesus who was born into our weary world to bring hope unlike any hope that we could ever experience in anything else. Jesus offers us hope, and that hope is himself. Hope is a person. And Christmas gives us the opportunity to slow down long enough to be reminded of that hope. The birth of Jesus is told in detail in two places of the Bible. One of those is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. You heard the little people tell that story. And I want to take just a couple minutes and read a part of that story again so we can wrap our minds around it. This is Luke chapter two, beginning in verse eight. You can follow on the screen. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
I was reading a different translation of this Christmas story, and one paraphrase caught my eye. Verse 13 and 14 were translated this way. It says, Then all at once in the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to men. The angels appear to announce Jesus' birth, and the first people they tell are a group of weary shepherds. These shepherds live and sleep outside, watching over their sheep, waking at all hours of the night to protect them from danger, and living with a constant sense of heightened awareness and fear of their surroundings. Shepherds were considered dirty, second-class citizens, and untrustworthy. And it's to this group of weary people, the angel appears and says, you don't have to be afraid any longer. And the reason they're told they don't have to be afraid is because the angel brought great news that will cause great joy. The angels brought a thrill of hope. A baby has been born, the Savior. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, the other place we're told of the Christmas story, the baby that is the Messiah, the Lord, is to be named Jesus, a name which literally means the Lord saves. They are to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And Matthew also tells us that he's to be given the title Emmanuel, which means God with us. We sang that earlier. The name of this baby, Jesus, reveals his mission to save us from our sin. And his title, Emmanuel, describes his role in bringing God's physical presence to people. Listen, the story of Christmas is not that humanity is reaching toward God. The story of Christmas is that God is reaching toward humanity. God longed to be with his people so much that he came himself. And the reason we celebrate Jesus' birth and we have hope is because we believe what the Bible teaches That Jesus at Christmas marks the entrance of God into the world in human flesh. Jesus entered into our suffering, broken, weary world. And after living a perfect life of love, he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin so that we could be made right with God and live with hope. And we need to be reminded of the truth that God is with us. Because our experiences can tell us a different story. It can seem like we're walking in darkness and we're longing for light to break the dark. We we carry the weariness of this season and we're all looking for hope. We're all searching for light in the darkness. We are looking for a reason to rejoice, an opportunity to lay aside the weariness. For some of you here, it's hard to imagine God is with you. Life has not played out the way you thought. This year has brought crisis after crisis or setbacks, and you conclude God is not with you. You may even think he's against you or apart from you, that he doesn't care about you, he's indifferent towards you, but it is hard to believe God is with you. And Christmas Eve reminds us of a different narrative. God with us. And if Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel, then this changes everything. 
It changes how we see the brokenness of the world, how we deal with all of its hurt and disappointments. It changes from living in fear to living with hope. So I don't know where you find yourself this Christmas or what you think about God, but I want you to know, I want everybody in this room and watching online to know God sees you, God knows you, he loves you, he created you so he could have a relationship with you and be with you. You have incredible worth and infinite value to him. You were worth coming to this earth to be rescued and saved. And you can know his peace in the midst of pain, his joy in the midst of weariness, and his hope in the midst of fear. If you're a follower of Jesus, at Christmas, we need to be reminded of this hope. Because on any given day, we place our hope in lesser things. And today, I want to remind us that God is the only unchanging thing in this world. And he's the foundation of our faith and our hope. And I pray as you spend time with family and you open presents in the next 24 hours, that you can pause to thank God for the greatest gift we've ever been given. Jesus, God with us. And if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and rather than hopeful, you feel hopeless. I want to invite you today to follow Jesus and experience life with God. Maybe you've tried placing your hope in things or in people and you've been disappointed and let down. And I want to remind you a relationship with Jesus is the only thing in this life that doesn't disappoint. It doesn't mean there won't be trials. It doesn't mean there won't be hurt and loss, but it means you will never be alone and you can have an expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God. And you can have confidence that God is with you and he is for you. And I want you to know the hope of Jesus invites us into a better story. It invites us into a bigger story than the one we're currently living. The hope of Jesus invites us into God's story that gives meaning and purpose to our lives. And it promises that one day a broken world will be made new with no sin no suffering and no death. So if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, everything can change today with two words. Your life can change today with two words and they're words usually attributed to Santa Claus this time of year. But I'm asking you to attribute them to Jesus and place your hope in him. And the words are, I believe. I believe. He is the hope of the world a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. This Christmas, wherever you find yourself, regardless of your circumstances, you can experience the hope of Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we need you. We need you. We try to live this life on our own. We try to create our own little kingdoms. We think we're so clever and crafty and smart. And we just pause to acknowledge we need you. Jesus, you are the hope of the world. You're the only thing that doesn't change. And tonight, would you speak to each of us and remind us, remind us, 
of the hope this Christmas that only you provide. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like more info on our church, you can visit our website or find us on Facebook.